welcome to Prize Fighting Kangaroo. You listen to a podcast about film and film culture. I'm Ashley. And I'm Amy. And I'm Devin. And on today's show, we're talking about a very special topic films you can't watch again. And to be clear, we're not talking about films that are so terrible, you're like, I would rather bleach my eyeballs and watch it again. We're talking about films that have artistic merit, films that left an impact, films you go, I'm grateful that I saw that, but I have no desire to ever watch that again. And joining us today to talk about this topic is our very first ever guest. Amy. Let's welcome Jason Kyle. Jason's a Phoenix area writer uh, and arts and culture aficionado who uh, is very knowledgeable about movies and movie culture. Uh, And he has himself been disturbed enough by certain films to not want to ever see them again. So today he's going to talk about that with us. Hi, Jason. Let's tell everybody a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Well, hi, Amy. Hi, Ashley. I'm very honored to be here at the Frying Kangaroo podcast. Uh, Did you want to know about me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, how did you get into writing? Oh, so um, I was a film student before I was a... uh, Before I was a journalism major. And I I have a film teacher who sort of broke my heart about making movies but i always knew i was a good writer so i started writing about what i loved and like movies and music i'm sad to hear that an educator changed your path yeah yeah (laughs) well it was a very it was uh, one of those um film programs where uh the movies are even more bizarre than anything david lynch could come up with on this most transcendental med- meditation day. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I actually had some experience. I took um, film class at SEC, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an auteur. And I took the intro to film class where we did editing for two months, and I'm like, mm. I would ever die if I edit <laughs> another five minutes of film footage. I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> I do not have the temperament for this kind of work. Yeah. Also, I guess I can get it because I went. I, my acting was my first major mm-hmm. in college, and uh, I did acting growing up and stuff uh not singing or, or some dancing when i was a kid not singing i can't do that but uh uh it, the college experience like studying it in college it was so like weird and limiting and nobody knew about anything that i liked like i brought up our toe once in a in a class and everyone was the teacher was like let's just stick to uh you know some <laughs> things that yeah. everyone knows and <laughs> yeah. you know i was like and it just felt like I don't want to go to school for this, you know. Oh, yeah, man. I was the guy who knew everything except everything that they were talking about. Like, it was <laughs> the most like talked about. Um, oh, da- uh, Marker, Chris Marker. Yeah, yeah, that's how I got into Chris Marker was for like film school, um, but I didn't know about him at the time, so it. <laughs> um, I was apparently that's what. And it was common knowledge to everyone else in the program. <laughs> Which is just pretentious. Like, I love Chris Mark. That's such bullshit. Like, like that, that is, like, rarefied film geek stuff to even know mm. who he is. And at the time, are you both familiar with the movie American Movie? Uh, yes. Oh, Amy is uh, very familiar with that <laughs> Ashley movie. Ashley, have you seen I, it again? Ashley's you know, it's screening at Film Bar. Not, not as a plug, but just as a general mention. <laughs> really? It is screening this month, yeah. Oh, so it's I'm one of my favorites. 
Ashley still hasn't seen it. So Ashley still has not seen American movie. I think you made a early PFK promise that you were going to get that in. <laughs> it's on Devin, episode four. You remember, in. producer Devin. It's on my list. All right. It's a very long list. Anyway. Let's hear that clip. So, back. The, <laughs> so the director came through my film program. He went to the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. That movie had just hit bit, like was just coming out. So he, he would be around all the time along with the film subjects, Chris and uh, uh, Mike. Yeah. Mike used to come into the restaurant where I weighed tables. <laughs> and it and I thought I would be making like documentaries and like Errol Morris and like nothing like that was happening. <laughs> oh, dude. The, the day I knew I was done in film studies is we did this go around in the classroom. They're like, everybody, talk about which director you admire and you want to be. And literally everyone in the room said either Tarantino, Spielberg, oh. or the Coen Brothers. And I was like, Tarkovsky? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? And everyone just looked at me like, oh, you pretentious cunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> like, I love Jackie Brown too, but come on, guys. I think we just found your new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not like, you know, it, I mean, Tarantino's like a master of exploitation. That's what he does, you know? So it's like... To want to be him is like just this meta derivative. Like it doesn't make you. I never found that it made anybody sound like they were aspiring to do anything original. You know, like how would you? Yeah. <laughs> when you try to copy the most unoriginal director. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember this quote that Kevin Smith said in the early '90s, where somebody's like asked him about like you know what foreign films he loved. He's like, well, I don't watch those films, but I watch guys like Tarantino because they watch those films. So it's like I'm watching those films through them. And I was like, "That's honest. Dude, yeah, it's honest, but it's also why you're a shitty director. It's because <laughs> you're not seeing the rich I don't think Kevin Smith, and we're way off topic. I don't think I he's a shitty director. I think he's a lazy director. Kevin Smith, you get your rest though, because you had that heart attack. I don't mean lazy in that way, but like with directing, uh, yeah. The man lives in hockey jerseys. Like that. Like that tells you how lazy he is. Yeah. I went to see one of his evening. Things at the Chicago Theater, I spent like upwards of $80 for this ticket. And for about 45 minutes, he talked about taking a shit while high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, I listen to really regularly for a long time. I listened to the Jay and Silent Bob Grow Up podcast yeah. because I, I found that was really interesting. But I actually find Jason Muse more interesting to listen to because he's. He didn't really get caught up in the, you know, he didn't really go full Hollywood like that. You know what I mean? He was still, he st was still the guy for a long time with the, the drug problem and the... He's been for some shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, anyway. I always like news more. Yeah. So anyhow, I guess we should let, maybe we'll let our guest start, uh, start, kick it off by telling us a movie that he... I uh, hope, Devin, I hope your wheels are spinning over there, too, about this subject. <laughs> uh, something that just fucked with your mind so much that you're like... I loved it. I'm still thinking about it. I'll always think about it, but I don't want to put it on again. Yeah, I think the movie that kind of started this conversation was Mother uh, by Darren Aronofsky. I remember my wife and I watched that. And after the movie was done, my wife just turned to me and said, I fucking hated that movie. <laughs> it was a pretty polarizing movie. Yeah, you, you either say, Nobody seemed to have much of a middle ground with that movie. Yeah, it's definitely one of those like it or hate it movies. And I'm still... Every day when I think about it, I'm still deciding whether I I at least admire it because it was a sort of a punk rock thing to do. But 
it's one of those movies that it's just put you through the ringer in the last hour that I can't bear to watch it again. It's kind of funny you bring up Aronofsky because I almost feel like that's his shtick. Where I feel like all of his films I've seen, I'm like, you know what? That was well shot. That was interesting. I'm going to think about this for a long time. I'm never going to watch this again. Mm-hmm. Like Noah or you know, Requiem for a Dream where, you know, yep. they're just too intense. Yeah. What was it? Was it this that... Uh, was it the subject itself, or were, was it just that? I mean, it's a very loud, chaotic, motion-filled movie, and it's relentless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm answering my own question. <laughs> 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 what was it? Was it the relentless chaos and noise? Was it the layers and layers of vocal chatter? What? It's you when you pick up what's going down. Like it's his, you know. He's kind of essentially retelling the story of the Bible. And when he decides to go about this in the most metaphorically graphic way possible, <laughs> an intense way possible, it's um it's a it's more than like it's more than it needed to be, and it was less clever than he thought it was, I think. But was there anything about the film itself that was like redeeming for you? Where it's like I guess that made a positive quality you still dwell on about it. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, God. she's amazing in that movie. <laughs> um, there, are parts, there are parts of that movie that I found it redeeming. Like, the fact that I don't think anyone would ever do that. I, you know, um, it's one of those movies that no one but Darren Aronofsky could make. Yeah. And... He um, uh, he would. Um, I'm trying to answer your question as honestly as possible. That's uh, awesome. We we two points for yeah. honesty. <laughs> <laughs> we won't call you for the liars episode. <laughs> no, he um, like I thought how he put it in different. He put the story in a different number of contexts, like yeah. being married to an artist and the type of how that can, the type of unique dynamic that causes. Uh, I thought that was admirable. Being married to a really self-absorbed person. Who, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of layers to yeah. it in that movie. So, and I admire that he was brave enough to put himself out there like that and you know, knowing that this would be a divisive piece of work and he just kind of doesn't give a fuck. Oh, totally. Yeah, I always, no matter what, like, I always liked him because he just doesn't give a fuck about what people think. And I don't ever want to, I mean, I don't ever want to watch his movies again, but I like that I don't, he doesn't silence himself or hold himself back. Totally. It kind of makes me more on the fact that a few years ago he was going to do a Wolverine film and never came together. And I would love to imagine what a Wolverine Aronofsky film would have been like. Mm-hmm. Probably something you could never watch again. Could probably just be him eviscerating people. But yeah, yeah. I always wonder what it would be like if he went Hollywood. And I think Noah will be the closest we ever get to that. And that's definitely a movie where I think he held back a lot. Um, just it's definitely a uniquely Aronofsky movie, but it's definitely aimed towards a Christian crowd. It, but it's also a film where like Noah basically has like a murder hard on for killing his family in the yeah. last half. Like, like it, it definitely like 
there's things he adds in the film, like having the king be a stowaway on the boat, I thought was dumb. And But I felt like he doesn't back away from the fact that it's a story about genocide mm-hmm. and about a guy who's pretty conflicted about it. And mm-hmm. like, not like, like, Crow's Noah never feels like a figure you're supposed to worship or respect, really. Mm-hmm. He feels way too broken for that, which for a biblical film is interesting because you don't see that. Yeah. And maybe for him, holding back is the way he tries to challenge himself uh, to do something different than what he instinctually might do. And maybe, he, you know, it, that doesn't mean it works. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But maybe that's sort of what he's yeah. try, he was trying to do there. And, and he he definitely has this, and especially in Noah and in Mother, he has this environmental bent that he's, you know, point of view that he's trying to express. And that, yeah, so that's another thing I admire about mother and Noah is that there is like this point of view he's trying to express, but he's not being very overt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. My mother didn't hit me that way. I liked it. I actually, I liked it a lot. It didn't hit me in the way that I wouldn't want to see it again. I wanted, I actually want to see it again so that I could see what I missed, but it didn't Mm -hmm. alienate me in that way. But did you see it? I did. And I enjoyed it. It's, I definitely kind of feel more inclined with Jason was saying. Like, it's not a film I'd want to revisit anytime soon because it just it is so overwhelming and chaotic. But it, I definitely liked. I definitely felt it was a very bold experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not Kevin? sure. I know I saw a movie called Mother. I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> what one. happened in that movie? Uh, it was like what? Like uh, they found like a lost girl or something, and it was it's like a creature or something calling her back. And no, no. Okay. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it was like another horror movie that. That had like a mother. I think it was called Mother oh. as well. But yeah, I haven't seen that one. I like your yeah. movie more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was well done. I f- I'll have to. It wasn't it Mama, more. was it? That could have been it, actually. Oh, yeah. Mama was the uh, not Del Toro. Uh, somebody was it? Guillermo del Toro? Uh, I don't. I don't. He think produced so? it. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think Guillermo produced it, but I think it's the guy who directed the It. See. Oh, oh right. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, that's a good movie. That's it. Yeah. Mama. Yeah, that's, that's what it really is. good. Yeah, that yeah. one's good. Yeah. What so, about you? No, yeah. Right. You're coming at me, but <laughs> I'm not. Uh, well, okay, I got so, it first. Yeah. Since you already established the pretentious and whatnot, um, one film for me that I thought was really a, a fascinating experience to watch, I, which I would never see again, was uh, Pasolini's Sallow. That comes up for a lot of people, yeah. I, I have seen it more than once. I don't know that it was for any other reason than like just different crowds or showing yeah. showing it to someone uh, who hadn't seen it, which might sound odd. But <laughs> <laughs> for an uninitiated, it is basically a film adaptation of uh, the Marquis de Sade's 120 Days in Sodom. So you know, it's about like a group of powerful men who basically sequester who get um sequester a bunch of young teenagers and people into a secluded palace and basically feed them shit fuck them and kill them yeah this movie's messed up I mean, it's messed up <laughs> yeah but have you seen it yeah i've yeah. seen it yeah. it's kind of like a must see to be honest yeah but it's a really fascinating film too because visually it's quite beautiful yeah like like the the subject matter is horrific and ugly but he shoots it in a way where it's like like the the, the, the palace that which is like an italian fact like it's updated for it's like it takes place in in fascist italy mm-hmm. but it's like the, the palace is like all these beautiful white walls and it's like almost like this classical like it's almost like something out of amadeus like the whole film is this yeah. really classic classical sense of beauty yeah. so even though it's really ugly and harsh subject matter like it looks really nice which is kind of what makes it such an unnerving film yeah yeah like the shot 
of um, of the two soldiers dancing as like they're getting shot uh, outside of the mansion. Like it's really well done. Yeah, but it's also like terrifying. It's visually time. compelling yeah. for sure, yeah. but it's intense. It's that it's that mm. is something that, like I said, for me, seeing it more than once just has involved with like, you know, talk coming up in conversation. I think it. We had maybe we had a copy of it, so it would be like, oh, have you seen this? It's interesting. Uh, but I don't know that now I'd just be like, what am I want to watch on Saturday night? But it, it is. Uh, have you seen it, Jason? I have not oh. seen it, but it's um, always one of those that. When you go when Barnes and Noble has their Criterion sale, I'm like, maybe this would be the one that I purchase, and then I read the summary. I'm like, yeah. mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. another one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worth seeing once. And mm. my big reservation, oddly enough, was the shit. Like, I like, I'm like, yeah, give you like a shot, whatever. But like, they melt a bunch of chocolate. And it's not quite as explicitly gross as I thought that scene was gonna be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a rough movie. Yeah, it's it rough. is. It is. Well, in the Home Alone movie, shit's okay, <laughs> but in the context of this long movie, it's. Sam, <laughs> yeah. so, what about you? What's on your list? Number one, all time of all time, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I have actually only seen it once. As much as I, there's a part of me that wants to watch it again. I've just never been able to bring myself again. So probably, if you if you regularly listen to uh, this podcast, Jason, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> so our number one fan. <laughs> um, you know that like I'm an, I'm like a, you know obsessed with psychological drama. So, oh yeah. Yep. Uh, it is the most tense, anxiety-inducing movie for me that I've ever seen in my life. So you know there's this it's all it's about drugs, uh, but it's about so much more than that. And I think like as much as the Jared Leto character and his friend and girlfriend Jennifer Connelly get absorbed into their drug world, the really uh, compelling uh, character in that movie is Sarah, the mom, his mom played by Ellen Burstyn, Mm -hmm. uh, who's like trying to sort of get on that game show and she's trying to lose weight and just that it all kind of boils down to this, you know, some kind of need to like have, just have something in your life, have something to keep you, keep yourself alive. So something to live for uh, and become, and she becomes so obsessed, uh, about it. And it's like, I watched it with a friend of mine at a movie theater when I still lived in New York and I had my hand on his shirt like this. And <laughs> we realized like by the time the movie was over, I had actually ripped a hole wow. like in his <laughs> sweatshirt or t-shirt yeah. just from being so anxious throughout. And I'm also, I have a lot of interest in drug culture. Um, you know, just the psychology of addiction, oh, yeah. and uh, so it's 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 compelling on a lot of levels. But I've never felt so completely anxious at, at watching a movie in my entire life. Well, it's interesting too, because a lot of films that are about drugs, you know, anti-drugs, still have a certain glamour to them, like Train Spotting, where you're like, hmm, that looks kind of cool. But Regular Dreams, like, no, like it it does not for a second sell drugs as. Like, I, I felt zero desire to do heroin watching that movie. <laughs> like, none. No, and there are movies out there that you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. I, you know, if you've never tried it or if you have, you're like, oh, you know, I could, I could do the, uh, you know, see why someone would want to, whatever. Uh, but no, it, it makes you just want to run screaming and jump out of your skin. You know, that's oh. how I felt. And I've talked to a lot of people who've had definitely had a similar reaction to it. I don't know, maybe that visceral, but 
Yeah. Ooh. I will yeah. never forget walking out of that movie theater when I went to see that movie. I was in <laughs> Milwaukee, and I the girl I was dating at the time was just like, we talked for about half an hour about drug culture and how we'll never do drugs again. <laughs> <laughs> or ever. <laughs> I feel like one of the best ways you can kind of immediately suss out if a room full of people have seen that movie is if you just walk in and you just shout ass to ass. Because all the people who start shivering, you're like, they've seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> What was funny about that part is that my boss at the time has a was a dead ringer for Keith David, the actor who says ass to ass. <laughs> and, oh, no. and he was engaged in some very shady shit at the time. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, yeah, they've just immortalized you on a in, in this movie. Devin, anything on Requiem? Did you see it? Uh, I didn't see it. Okay. But I do need to see it. Yeah. 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 We'll see it the one time and then see how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, a, it's fantastic, you know, and this guy really That's knows how to, yeah. like, uh, you know, get under your skin and, like, really poke at you, you know? Oh, and, totally. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you were talking about your reaction to, uh, your very visceral reaction to Requiem for a Dream, it made me think of another movie that I had a very visceral reaction to. And that was the movie Twelve Years a Slave. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's a very powerful movie. Um, and the fact that like as a white male that I felt very guilty for, you know, a lot of guilt going on, but it's also like Chantel Antoifour and Lopita Nguyo um, go through the most horrific depictions oh. of torture. For about two hours. And when I remember walking out of the theater, I just sat down like on one of the couches outside of Tempe Marketplace and I just cried for about 10 minutes. Yeah, it's it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think it's, it. I don't know what, what, why you would be compelled to see it again, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I get the point. Like, and... I just broke down and I, I just sat like sad for about half an hour. Just and I, I will never see this again. And I understand Steve McQueen, the director, makes movies like this all the time. Like his movies are experiences. There's that movie he did with Fastbender Shame. Oh yeah, with uh, with yeah, Fastbender. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, where he like Fastbender's the sex addict. The sex addict. Have, oh, I haven't right. seen it, yeah. but have you two seen it? I've seen it. It's good. It's definitely not yeah. like. It's not like, it's not like with Twelve Years a Slave where you feel like, oh my god, this is so visceral and horrible. Like, but you definitely, it definitely has because skin crawl. Yeah, yeah. you That's definitely a- get the, the neediness and the the this the this the, it squeak. You definitely can squeak you out. Yeah, I know it's a hard movie to find because it was NC seven rated NC seventeen, um, so it's still like no one wants to put it on their streaming service or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the one film that I saw in the theaters that made me cry afterwards was Irreversible. I was I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that's that's a hard one. Oh yeah, yeah. A brutal film. Uh, it, but the thing that I remember about it is when I saw it in the theaters and I knew ahead of time that you know it has like a like a ten minute rape scene, so like mm-hmm. I was stealing myself for it. Halfway through, the scene happens, and you know you have that unfixed camera that's on Monica Bellucci for like ten minutes, and I was it I was at Camel View. I was watching it, and it was like me. And like two like teenage guys, a couple rows ahead of me, and they were laughing their ass off oh. throughout the rape scene. Are you cracking, kidding? No, me? I'm not kidding. They're cracking up, and I was just like, never felt more angry <laughs> just watching a movie than I did at that moment. 
but it's just that film, like the first, like the first opening where it's like, um, like her boyfriend and the other guy, they're, they're in a nightclub trying to kill the person they think is responsible. They killed the wrong guy. Where it's like this nightmarish, chaotic scene, and then you get the rape scene. And the thing with the film, I really remember what I really remember is that because it's because the story is being told backwards, yeah. it ends really beautifully. It's so beautiful. Yeah, when you finally get to the end, which is actually the beginning, uh, it's there's like all this peace and. Uh, yeah, I I found it um, like cathartic at that point to cry. Yeah, and I really didn't even know at the time like why what am what's making me cry the most here. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it's an intense movie. It, it's almost a bit like because he does a lot of druggy kind of films, but that film to me almost has the feeling of like a really powerful mushroom trip where you go for this really intense stimulation and you come out the other side and it's very peaceful and relaxed. I mean, that scene basically ends up, it's like they're in a park, right? And she's basically looking up at the sky and it feels like a beautiful moment and you're like, if the film was told chronologically, it would just be descent into a nightmare and instead it's like her like ascending into like a more peaceful place. Oh, that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a beautiful film. It's just, it's just one that's like, because the, that first hour or so, it's like, I just, I don't want to see it again. Yeah. yeah. You, you emotionally go through the whole, you know, the whole gamut. What did you mm. think, Devin? About the movie? His film? Yeah. Um, I haven't really seen it. Oh, I, you haven't. I, yeah, I've seen a little bit of it, but I haven't really. Yeah, it's pretty anything. intense. Yeah. And I had the same thing I'd seen, but I think he only had maybe a couple things out before then. I stand alone. and Yeah. Um, but it got a lot of, like, attention. So you kind of did know what you were walking into with Irreversible, but it's still... Didn't, didn't really set me up anyway for the range of emotions I was going to go mm. through. And her partner, Monica Bellucci's partner, is played by Vincent Cassell, right? Who they're they're married in real life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it either. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. You could, I would say you guys should to take a peek at it. Like, mm. Just know that you're getting. Yeah, I do want to see it, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm prepared. Devin where I yeah. know the reputation, <laughs> and <laughs> and but that kind of funny thing too is that it doesn't really necessarily feel exploitive because. It, it's not like watching like I spit on your grave or something where the rape is kind of played yeah. for like a storytelling purpose or it's played for like like titillation like you're watching a horrific thing happen and it they don't he never they never undersell it like it looks like it's as awful as it would actually be because you know the camera doesn't move it doesn't really close right. in or anything it doesn't cut out the audio like it really makes it feel like you're just witnessing a bad thing. But it doesn't feel like it's sugarcoating it or like making it worse than it actually. It doesn't feel like it's. It's hard to describe. It just it feels like it didn't feel exploitive in the way that rape often is in cinema. Where you're like, why? Why is this necessary? Why is this in the film? Where in this film, it feels like it's there for a reason. It doesn't feel like it's. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. Um, for me, a movie uh, would be probably Martyrs. Oh god. That's like a Jesus one and done Christ. movie right there for me. I've never seen Martyrs. Yeah. I've never heard of Martyrs. Yeah, see like <sighs> if you're if you're into like horror films, like it you kinda like probably wanna see it, you know, just cause to say you're a big fan. But at the same time, I don't suggest you see it. <laughs> so it's kinda like one of those films. Cause it's just like re really messed up. Like the first half of the movie it, it's a French film, by the way, but the first half of the uh, half of the film is kinda like a, it feels like a slasher film. Um, but then all of a sudden it takes this really hard turn and it just gets really intense, like, uh, and just, I, I don't really know how to describe it without ruining it because the, the plot, it's all about the plot and the ending is, uh, yeah, you've seen it, Ashley? It has some very, yeah. 
I, I don't want to spoil it either. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly, it's, it involves like skin stuff and removal. Yeah. It's, it's oh pretty gross. It's yeah. pretty gruesome. Oh but it, the plot is fascinating. It is. Like, it's a yeah. interesting story. I never would want to watch that again. I don't want to, yeah, neither do I. Is it like a French Cronenberg film? No. It's, it involves, uh, involves flaying. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty harsh. Yeah, I've seen it come up like in different forums here and there mm-hmm. and stuff, but I've never yeah. seen it. Is it worth like? I think it's worth seeing, and and it's not one of those films where people are like, oh, it's just like torture porn, you know? Like I don't think it 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 is. You know, I could see why some people might, but I I think like there, like there's a reason why they have that in the film because because of what the plot is based around. I totally agree. Yeah. And it's just, it's just really hard. Like, it's really intense. And, like, I love, like, scary films. You yeah. know what I mean? It's hard to get out of your head. Yeah. It's just, it leaves you with, like, the, like a, this certain feeling. And you just don't want to go through it again. But, they, I mean, if that's what they were trying to do, they did. They accomplished it, you know? But, yeah. For me, that's that's the film. <laughs> well, I think yeah. horror films, too. Like, for me, like, to rewatch a horror film, like, it has to have, like, some sense of fun or humor to it. Of course, to get yeah. Back into it. Yeah. Martyrs is a film where it's like there's like none. There's no fun. Yeah. There's no so fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like Texas Chainsaw Massacre for me. Like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are like similar in that respect, where they're both these incredibly aesthetic films. Mm-hmm. Super glad I saw them. But like I'd watch Scream tomorrow or like Cabin in the Woods over and over right. again. I'd love those movies because there's a sense of fun and humor in it. Yeah. Whereas like Chainsaw Massacre, it's like. Hooper's film is, is incredible, but yeah, I don't want to go back into that. The world. first Halloween yeah. is hard a hard one for me, and sometimes mm. I am compelled. Like if it's like I'm, I happen to be home one night around Halloween or whatever, I'm like oh, I'm gonna yeah. watch that, and like within five minutes, I am like on the edge. I know what's gonna happen. It yeah. it, it really held to me. It it really has held up over time. Like it is. It's so good. So. Yeah. And the music, stark. the music, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that starkness alone. Just a couple of those, just initial shots where nothing's happening, but someone's walking home from school or walking yeah. down the street, mm-hmm. are so fucking terrifying that That's I'm like, good. I can't do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was like a five-year period, I think, when the saws and the hostels were being released. Oh, right. Where yeah. I just, it kind of swore me off horror for a while, just because. I don't want to watch torture porn. Like it's mm-hmm. like people who were probably inspired by your chainsaw massacres, but quite didn't understand that, like what made it so good. What made oh, them yeah. so yeah. good? Yeah. Like seeing seeing people get you know filleted in different ways is not the same as the way like what Hooper did, and I think the Eli Roths and the. Right. James yeah. Wands of the world, kind of. The comfort of Scream, it comes from its honesty about what it is. They came out with, like, we're going to scare you, but we're also going to take that formula that you've seen a whole bunch of times and just, like, really work the hell out of it and then also give you some laughs. So it was just, yeah, yeah there's well, still, with Halloween, it's still, everything yeah. still feels so unexpected. Oh, well, isn't Scream, isn't it a Carpenter film, isn't it? Or, oh, it's uh, Craven. 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 Right. I remember, yeah, I thought it was one of those, yeah. Yeah, I have to say another one for me that is uh, uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, I loved yeah. the movie. I only saw it once. Yeah. It really, it, uh, it was really nerve wracking to me. And I will tell you, it's that one scene where he goes into that store with the old man, like the country store kind of thing. Yeah. 
And it's like, uh, you know, he's basically, I, I can't remember what he did. It was like, you have to, a coin flip or something yes. involved, or it was mm-hmm. basically like. Uh, yeah, because he had like the, the cattle gun. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and just that, that I don't know, it's probably like a two minutes of wondering what's going to happen to this sweet old man. And you don't even know if he's a sweet old man. I mean, he could be like a, you know, animal abuser or some kind of horrible piece of shit. But just in that context, he's presented as this sweet man. And then I think the bigger picture for me is just like how someone could walk in in a situation like that and cause one person. There was so much fear in that man's eyes and his look and like you know i just want to go in that house where my my wife is you know and be this old person that finishes growing old with that person and like i don't want you to bother me and it was so to me like i just i didn't stop thinking about it for days i'm thinking about it now just it makes (laughs) me sad it was terrifying to me it's like that just one that you're on that one moment of like this this could be my final moment uh, and so for that, I never, you know, and there were times in, in that I was like, you're not frightening to me at all, or you're the most terrifying person I've ever seen, uh, the Bardem character, oh, yeah, but yeah. I was like, I don't know, it just, it just, yeah, it caused me a lot of, <laughs> of grief. I mean, the scene that always sticks to me is the Amber, I think it's, I think it's the, the girlfriend or the wife, where like, she refuses to call the coin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the part that always sticks with me. She's like, well, you're doing this, not the coin. Like, you're doing this. Right. And the fact that you don't really see how it ends, but like, that, that, that always stuck with me. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's it's an amazing film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely the most intense Coen Brothers movie out there. Yeah. It has has everything to do with the author of that book, Cormac McCarthy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you ever see The Counselor? Yes. <laughs> no. Ridley Scott Mm-mm. film written by Cormac McCarthy. Oh. It's it's a weird it's a weird movie, man. It it feels like an almost more abstract version of No Country. Huh. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> it's a film where Cameron Diaz fucks a car. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Just put it to put it wow. mildly. <laughs> is the counselor like a is that like the is that a character? Is it a main Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's basically like a cartel movie where, like, yeah, where Fassbender basically plays like a money guy who's involved with them, and then oh, I like you know, it. It, 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 it gets pretty violent and bloody, but it's, oof, it's such a cynical and dark movie. That's it's, it's like Sicario, but not violent, or yeah, yeah, because there are some deaths, but it's like, oof, like the whole garage, they have, they have this automated garage court system where they throw it on somebody and it chokes you. Oh. Yeah, there, there, definitely some. It, 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 feels like a very cruel movie, with the way it deals with its characters. Yeah, uh, Girl Next Door was one for me. I don't know if anyone has seen that. It's a was based on the Jack Ketchum did a sort of a fictional book on this real life case from the '60s uh, about this girl Sylvia Likens who lived in Indianapolis and her mom. Uh, her parents, for whatever reason, couldn't take care of her, so they left her in the care of these neighbors. And then and may, it was like maybe a, an unofficial fostering situation. Maybe they gave the, this lady a few bucks, and the lady had her own kids or some other foster kids in the house. And then she herself and then her kids, and then she invited neighbor kids to join in. They systematically 
tortured this girl until she died. Like it would be a daily thing where there was sexual stuff or burning her or that kind of thing. Then Jack Ketchum wrote sort of a, sort of a, it's pretty much spot on, but a fictionalized book about it. And then they made it into a film. And because I had followed the true crime story and then, you know, followed down the path of the, his interpretation and then the movie, I saw the movie, but yeah. don't need to ever see it again. Yeah. Uh, Girl Next Door, yeah. What about you, Jason? What's on your list? Um, so, uh, thinking back when I was in college, I was writing all these papers about censorship, and I always bring up the movie Crash by David Cronenberg, not the 2005 Oscar-winning Feel Good About Racism <laughs> movie. <laughs> Why can't we all get along? Speaking of fucking cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking about fucking cars. Um, oh, and it finally came to like the city I was living in, I was living in Detroit at the time, and it was playing at this like little, like one of those uh, mall theaters. I went to catch like a late night showing after school, and I remember like there were about twelve of us in there, and James Spader humping a scar, James Spader, um, like a lot of body fluids with um, Casey Jones, uh, Elias Cotias, <laughs> um, uh, going down, and. One by one, people are walking out of this movie until um, I'm like me and the one creepy dude are left back in the year. <laughs> <laughs> and the plot of the movie, it's 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 very Cronenberg-esque. It's about um, uh, James Spader gets into a car crash and finds out he's sexually turned on, and he finds other people who are in his tribe. Um, uh, and he gets his wife involved as well. And the one character uh, played by Elias Cotillas is this guy who believes that we will all turn into cars. It's about body reconstruction. <laughs> and at one point... I love him, by the way. I think he's great. <laughs> he's so good. So at one point, he's um, hanging out with one of the other members of this group, played by Rosanna Arquette, who's in leg braces because yeah. she's been... Um, and so many accidents. And he's very turned on by uh, a, a new scar. So at one point, he humps the scar. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. You haven't seen it, Ted? I, have, I know. It's not a, a movie that I wouldn't see more than once because I've seen it about five times. Yeah. And, and truth be told, I know we're talking about movies we could only see once. I no, have no. seen it a couple of times we, since. We can, you can stretch it <laughs> But uh, I even owned it for a while, and uh, a couple of my roommates were like, oh, I want to see this movie. And I'm like, I'm going to recommend that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not what you think it is. Yeah. I think it wasn't a surprise for me because I read it. But, uh, oh, the book yeah. is so good. I'm a J.G. Ballard fan, so mm-hmm. did you ever have you read the book? No, okay. I... I it's just one of those, like, after I saw the movie, is like, I don't think I need to read I it. I have it if you ever want to get it thrown at you. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd, I'm more interested, as I'm a now more mature adult, I think I could handle some J.G. Ballard. Oh. Um, plus, it's not yeah. quite as, like, the, like, the movie's super explicit, but the book's not quite as much. Like, it's it's more poetic. In a yeah. Way. But, yeah, it's still definitely about people who love fucking cars, though. So yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely not uh, not held back. Yeah, maybe we gotta do the uh, people who love to fuck cars uh, episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like it's turning into <laughs> slow but surely. <laughs> Auto eroticism. Yeah. 
see. Well, for me, another another set of films from, from both from the same director is uh, Jorgis Latham. Um, I'm probably getting his last name wrong, but the guy who did Dog Tooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Killing of a Sacred Deer. I saw it recently once. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> and it's a stunning film, like visually alone. Like the 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 cinematography of that film is gorgeous, and the acting, like. Oh, it's... Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, they, they, they just do tremendous work. But it's one of those films that, it, you know, it, it's just... It's not like a puzzle box, like... Um, what's the what's the lost guy's name? J.J. J.J. Abrams. It's not like a J.J. Abrams yeah. thing where the whole thing's about solving the mystery, but it's definitely a film where the power of it is not knowing what's happening. And so once you get to the end and you know the whole story and how it all turns out, like, I can't imagine watching it again have, it would have the same impact. No, and Dogtooth is the same way too. Where that's a that's an amazing amazing I film. I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen that one either. Oh god, it's basically the basic premise is that it's about a family that have basically isolated their children for the rest of the world, like for their whole adult lives, and they've basically taught them the wrong words for things, control them. So like a TV might be like dog, for example, that sort of thing. Where uh-huh. it's really interesting. But again, it's one of those films that, as you're watching it, the pleasure of it is seeing how it all unfolds. And yeah. after you see the whole, I've seen the whole thing play out. It's like I can't imagine watching it again. I don't need to see it again. Yeah, exactly. And it's very tense, and I was I was pretty tense during oh, uh, God, Sacred Deer. Film. Yeah. This uh, this is the same director who wrote The Lobster, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this makes The Lobster seem very tame by comparison. Yeah, I think so. I thought The Lobster was more could be more appealing to a, a wide wider audience, a little more a mass appeal film. It's definitely probably is one film I think you could rewatch it again and it's still be pretty enjoyable cuz especially the early scenes where they're in the resort and like yeah. that's a there's a lot of fun stuff in that. And help John C. Riley Always improves a film. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> you put some Riley in there, and yep. it's always going to make it better. I'm clapping. Little Dr. Steve Rule in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, Good doctor. You know, we just, Jason and I just had our stepbrother's conversation on Facebook the other day. Oh, just, yeah. it, no lady. Yeah, stem, stem for me uh, actually just talking to someone named Pam, and like I can't talk to anyone named Pam anymore without thinking about that scene, uh, the interview scene. Stepbrothers. Oh, sorry, Devin. I'm like banging on the table. <laughs> I know we talked about the last episode. For me, it's always going to be Walk Hard with him, where it's like, oh, yeah, you love that's Walk a film. Hard. Where if I meet somebody who haven't seen that film, I'm always like, you need to watch this movie. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, um, I remember you said that ruined music documentaries for oh, you. Oh, murder. <laughs> the entire genre is bodied because of that film. Like, I can't watch them. Here's a documentary that I can't watch again. And I, uh, I've i been in places where people have put it on repeatedly. You know, like people kind of treat it like a faces of death or something. But Titicut Follies. Ooh. Have you ever seen that? Have I, you ever I seen that? I haven't, but I've wanted to. Yeah, it's a old documentary from the 60s about an old Massachusetts uh, with I think there's actual footage and stuff old Mass, uh, Massachusetts mental hospital hmm. uh, and what was going on in there the practices and whatnot yeah. and some of the torturous practices Ooh. and uh, I mean it's interesting to see how things have evolved or unfortunately sometimes haven't evolved uh, you know in mental health conditions uh, hospital conditions but it's so grueling to watch that you know I mean we need to know about those things so we can evolve mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't think I could ever see it again like even if someone just mentions it it's like you know it conjures up some of those things I don't know if anybody have you seen it you said? I haven't I haven't seen any of the any Wiseman films yet I've been meaning to yeah I have not seen it I won't say 
Run. <laughs> Don't walk. Run. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, just reading a book, um, Astro Weeks by Ryan Hughes, which, by the way, is like, if you love music history books, it's fantastic. Okay. But there's a chapter in there about Wiseman, because he made that documentary at the same time that Van Morrison was in Boston. And the backstory of that film is amazing, where, like, a judge basically says, like, he banned it from ever being exhibited in Massachusetts. And that's why that film, after a while, couldn't be screened anywhere in the U.S. until the 90s. Wow. Because one judge is like, fuck this movie. Yeah. And apparently Wiseman sent his own crew to film the actual trial as, like, a documentary of a documentary. Oh. And it's part of the reason why they're like, we're, we're banning this movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, but he couldn't screen that anywhere until I think the early 90s when they finally overturned it. Like, it was just one judge says, you know, I think this film was offensive, banned it, and it, it couldn't be commercially exhibited anywhere in the States for a long time. Do you think Great Britain kind of feels that way about Clockwork Orange? Because it was banned in there for, like, 30-some years. Oof. And then they were, like, when it, the day after the ban lifted, they, re, they released it in Great Britain. It was a big advertisement. I wonder if... Maybe someone just kind of went, oh, was that what that was all about? There's <laughs> <laughs> a possibility of that. Sure. Yeah. What else is on your list, Jason? So uh, one movie that I was thinking of uh, that maybe, I think it's PG-13, actually, but I was thinking hmm. about Whiplash. Oh, yeah. Whiplash is uh, Whiplash? That's the one that uh, J.K. Simmons... He's a couple a, years oh, ago, he's the conductor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he Miles Teller is the drum student, and he just like uh, you know he's a, just basically a total sadist of an instructor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, yeah. That was tough to watch. That though. was very uh, and as someone who's gone through the the uh, the band uh, musical educational system in our public schools, <laughs> like to have a teacher like that just break your spirit. And again, going back to teachers who break your spirit, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. like J.K. Simmons is. Uh, personification of that where um just to see the mental toll he takes on miles teller throughout that movie and how at the end of the movie when they run to each other again how miles teller does not somehow piss his pants in fear yeah um just doesn't like i don't understand how that like how he doesn't like like i can't look at a farmer's commercial the same way again. <laughs> yeah, he is really intense in that. And it's, uh, you know, when you really kind of get deep into it and you see how, like, you know, like, what is what is, what is is motivating him here? Mm-hmm. And he's so completely cruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I did see it twice. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those, like, it's definitely answers the question, nature versus nurture. But there's no nurture going on unless nurture is like slapping the shit out of like your drum student. <laughs> well, speaking of drums, I feel it came around the same time that I also was in that category for me is like is Birdman. Oh, yeah. I feel that way. I didn't I see it more than once. I didn't feel like I needed to. I don't feel like I missed anything. But hmm. honestly, I'm going to go a little farther. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Really? I didn't love it either. Huh. I mean, I love the music. I love the sense of the floating camera. Michael Keaton's great in it. But I felt the script was, like, just terrible. Especially the rants on social media. where I, It felt very much like old man get off my lawn kind of material. <laughs> and, like, it, it, just, it felt embarrassing listening to that in the theater. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you two where I was like, 
I mean, I guess it's kind of cool that it won the Oscar, but I was like, I didn't love this movie. Devin, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. But I, a lot of people tell me to go see it. But. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I feel like it's. It was. I felt like I didn't. It was worth the watch, but I didn't. I don't need to see. I would. I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Okay. Have either of you seen The Revenant? Is The Revenant kind of the same way for you two? Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't. Either. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was like his follow up, and like Leo, Leo almost got eaten by a bear or something, and. It's pretty graphic. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just sounded like... My heard description of it being, is being kind of like Leo torture porn. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh this film, yeah. yeah. I was, was thinking, an, is this a... Di- yeah. yeah, I was thinking of another film, and I don't know I why. saw that. It's okay. good, I, I saw it. I see it again. Yeah. And I wasn't disturbed yeah. by it at all, though. No. But yeah, one time was enough for me on that one. Yeah. But I liked it, you know. Leaving Las Vegas, for me, was oh, a... That's, that, that is I a have rough only watch. seen it one time. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it again. Nicolas Cage uh, is a person battling... Uh, but Nicholas Cage versus alcohol. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> one of those films that reminds me. Oh yes, he can act. By the yeah. way, <laughs> it's like thank you for making a movie that we, you know. But I also love like crazy Nicholas Cage and like Face Off. Or, oh you God, know? Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. No, he he is a, tr- a national treasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like I want. It's like he did this movie and like, and he won the Oscar. He's like. No, I'm just gonna blow shit up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna go remake The Wicker Man. Yeah. Fight some yeah. bees. The bees. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. You know, um, I was thinking, uh, speaking of The Wicker Man, there's that m- first movie by Neil LeBute, um, in the Company of Men. Have either of you oh, seen yes. that movie? Yes. Which is one of those movies where there's no like that. Is not have any of the bodily fluids that we're talking about here today, but the plot. So as I'm sure you know, the plot is two men decide to um, take a co-worker, a female co-worker, both court her um, and dump her at the end of their time, and the woman is deaf. She's deaf. Yeah. Oh. And it's... the and the well, the alpha male is played by Aaron Eckhart. And, what uh, happened to him, by the way? Yeah, right. He <laughs> I like him. I like it's him too. Right. Last scene in I Frankenstein, which <laughs> you should not see. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the other guys, I think Matt Malloy. Yeah. And the you just Joker. see how he, how him and the girl that they're both courting just go into his, like keep the psychological torture that they're both going through until like it culminates in the final scene. It's. It's one of those psychologically taxing movies. There's that a cruelty never... in there that it's like, yeah, it's hard to you, you know you can't if you don't want to do that to someone. It's hard to relate to that kind of mm-hmm. cruelty. So yeah. it just becomes you're watching this horrible injustice that you want to fix, and there's a frustration in that. But go on, sorry. No, oh, that was all I had. <laughs> well, I'd have to add, um, and this is kind of more of a director than a specific film, but Tyler Perry goes on the list. Because oh. I've watched a lot of his films. Because, <laughs> like, if I'm up at one o'clock in the morning and I'm channel surfing, you're like, "What's Medea up to?" I've seen Medea. I've seen all the Why Did I Get Married films, and and, and I, I do, I don't regret watching them because I do feel like you learn. I do think I learned something by watching those films, but they're just so terrible movies. Did anybody see Tusk? 
I no. So I that's not. on my list, no. and I, you know, I, I say it in front of everyone because I'm like, I feel like I'm becoming like a, a person with, on my own island. But I like <laughs> Kevin Smith movies. I do. I think they're lazy, but I think, or maybe still, I'm holding on to the things that I like that he did early on. Has uh, it been enough to carry me through? And I like that yeah. he's prolific and he's funny. He has some good observations on movies. His movie podcast is really good. Um, but Tusk. I was so confused about those trailers. I was like, is it a comedy? Like, what is well, it? Well, like? it's like a dark comedy, okay. but then, and you know what's happening. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Spoiler mm. alert. I had somebody explain yeah. to me the plot in depth. Yeah. So uh, like, Justin oh, Long you is can in spoil it. it. <laughs> yeah, so he's basically, you know, ha- happens upon a weird old mansion kind of thing. It turns out the person there is turning, uh, some- turning someone into like a tusked. Mm-hmm. Creature, like yeah, like yeah, a walrus. Exactly, like a walrus. <laughs> a tusked creature. Or a walrus. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, was that a loss there? <laughs> I like tusked creature myself. But, uh, yeah. And then, so then you finally see it. At, like, what happened to him? Then his, you know, his friends come to, they get away, but they come back to visit. And then they're visiting their friend, Justin Long, who's like a walrus. And it's just. It's not funny. It's mm. it was so disturbing to me that like for yeah. days I was like, what if that happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> this was like a movie that he wrote like on Twitter, there, right? Like, or he like someone people voted on Twitter like what movie would he make, and it was like the Walrus movie or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably had some fun in doing it, but oh, yeah. it didn't end up being as fun as I wanted it to be. Yeah. I was really like, I'm never watching that again. Like, it's, uh, I still, yeah. I see Justin Long in another movie, and I'm like, oh, you're yeah. a walrus. <laughs> but you can be on that island. You, you put like a little yeah. smiley face in the volleyball, call it Silent Bob, and five minutes. You'll be good. We're down to five minutes, guys. Oh, snap. Want to do a real quick, like, uh, just go around, like, hey, Jason. Name a movie. Well, speaking of Tyler Perry, there's one he produced called Precious. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't watch that one again. <laughs> I don't need to. I saw it once. I don't need to see it again. Did you yeah. guys see it? Uh, yeah, it's no. just sad, you know. Speaking yeah. of like where where they are now, Monique, like she needs to get happy again. <laughs> I'm, I concur. Yeah, yeah that's uh. For me, Shoah. Oh. Which is like you know. It's a documentary series about the Holocaust. Like it's yeah. multiple hours. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. I'm. It, it was very enlightening. It, it was very watching. It was very profound. But it's also like, yeah, I'll never make that much time again to watch that any ever again. No, well. Dancing in the Dark, or Dancer in the Dark. Sorry, you're talking about this earlier. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. That was on my list. Yeah. Once enough, great. Yeah. You know, I love Lars, uh, but. It's like, how do you suck the joy out of Bjork? <laughs> yeah, so right. naturally Now we know how. He, he actually did. <laughs> yeah, he actually did. Um, happiness with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. So, I, I can't watch that one again. No. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a very good one. Um, I don't have anything else on my list with Devin. And Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. You know, I can't watch that one again. And, and my mom watches that movie all the time. I was she like, does? Yeah. I'm like, how? Why? It's it's like, <laughs> what, two hours of somebody getting like tortured and like whipped? So and miserable. Like, I, I'm not a, like a Christian, but when I saw it in, the, in the, the, the theaters, I was crying. I think everybody was crying. Is your mom religious? She is, is yeah. yeah. 
But I, even if I was Christian, I don't know why I would want to watch yeah, that. Yeah, like if you're just scrolling through the channels and you're like, oh, yeah. Passion of the Christ yeah. is on. Let well, me she owns up. it, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Apparently, Mel is like working on the sequel. Like, <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I'm not kidding. Like, he's working, like, apparently, you know, he, he yeah. comes after. Two Passion, Two Christ. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> too fast. Passion of the Christ, yeah. three Jerusalem drift. <laughs> Jason, I have two quick questions for you. One, what do you think about? These are two favorites of ours. Michael Bay. Are you a Michael Bay fan? Secretly, yes. Because Get out. <laughs> the door is to the your right. The relationship between Ashley and Transformers. Jason has just taking a turn. Yeah. No, no, no. And so, in my defense, Transformers was like my favorite show as a kid. So. I kind of have a soft spot for that, but do I think he's like the greatest director ever made? We don't. Uh, <laughs> good. Yeah, we don't have time to, to actually listen to all the things Ashley like really I, wants I, to say right now. I feel yeah. like Ashley is unfriending me on Facebook. He is. And number two, Tom Cruise. Because I'm gearing up for the whole Tom oh, Cruise yeah. episode. We're I want to try on. to get Tom on. We want to talk about... All Tom, all the time. Yeah. Oh, I, I will gladly be your guest again on the Tom Cruise episode. Okay. I have seen every one of his movies, except oh, for wow. the one Do he you did love on the Mummy. him? I love him. We can call it the Tom Tom Club. <laughs> <laughs> we have an episode title. I have a love-hate thing with Tom. I love and hate him. Yeah. I, I want him to change. Tom, I, I want you to change. Come back to us, Tom. Come back. Come I should, back, yeah. And, you know, I'm like you. I'm one of those people who um, loves him in his movies, but I don't maybe love him in his personal life. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Couches are for sitting, not for jumping. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we probably have to wrap it up. Yeah. We're really excited that Jason Kyle came by to hang out with us today. Yes, we're honored uh, to be here, you two. Yeah. You can check us out at PFKPHX. Use that at the extension of your Facebooks and Twitters. Um, and listen to the Yab Yum stuff because they do great things. And if you like trivia, come on down <laughs> to Valley Bar if you're in Phoenix on the last Tuesday of every month when Ashley and I host... Trivia <laughs> This month's theme is going to be action-packed. So for all you diehard fans and all you Con Air lovers, come on down and test your metal. Will there Thanks, be Michael sir. Bay questions? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Could you have an action episode without it? <laughs> and Tom Cruise, if you're listening, we're, we're waiting for you. So until next time, I'm Ashley. And I'm Amy. And I'm Jason. And I'm Devin. All right. Peace. Bye. I found a night, and it needs no amount of sleep. It'll take what Mara's got, so solemn I ain't no In a fight. Forward, hot man, you must lean. The fear you got ain't like a wish. You'll carve a name onto a tree. And if they say unkind, well, that's just fine.